Hey everybody, just a heads up, welcome back to The Bomb Diaries. In this episode, I have routine return guest, Joe Alanese, and we sat down and had a very long discussion. About two-thirds of it did not make the cut because your host is an idiot and does not have any technical, technological skills. And I was not aware that in this recorder, when the batteries die, the recording dies as well. For some reason, the file's corrupted, and unless I can fix it, which I know I can't, you probably will not hear two-thirds of this episode, which is unfortunate because we talked for about two and a half hours and had a really good talk and went over a lot of things, just not just about comedy, about life, uh, silly things. We talked about Game of Thrones. We talked about the NBA. I'm not sure where the cutoff is what you're going to hear and what you will have missed because I'm kind of done editing for content. What it is, I'm just going to stop. If there are any sound issues, if I see glaring ones, I'll fix them. Uh, but otherwise I'm not going to kind of listen through. And, and so if you run into any sound issues in the future, I apologize. Let me know. And if they stack up, I'll go back to taking closer care of it. But otherwise if you, this is whatever you hear, this is who I am, and that is what I said. Um, so I'm just going to let it roll. So, whatever you hear, enjoy. And uh, I will be sure to go out and buy batteries today so that the next episode you hear will be in its entirety. Thanks again for listening. Uh, this is about one third of a great podcast with Joe, actually, the best podcast in the world. This is this is not the best podcast in the world. This is just a tribute. Hello, Hope you enjoy. Recording live from somewhere. Now we're back. All right. We lost power there. That was scary. I thought I broke the zoom. Rolling blackouts, man. Rolling blackouts. Rolling blackouts. Goddamn state. Am I right? That's how bad hacker was. He blew out our. <laughs> <laughs> were, were we still talking about the hacker one? Yeah, it was just that he went up and mispronounced Andrew Boydstein's name, and then made everybody feel really awkward. That's great. I, I've got a recent one also. Uh, for Dan had a show where there was a heckler. She wouldn't stop yelling, and her her boyfriend started yelling too. So eventually, they were asked to leave because they wouldn't stop heckling. And she got upset that she and she was screaming and all this. And the boyfriend was cool, like we were looking to see what he was going to do, but he was fine. And then, apparently, she called the cops and told her that she was kidnapped, that someone kidnapped, that her date kidnapped her. So this fucking poor what? guy. What? <laughs> yeah. So either the I think the cops came looking for her after the show of like some woman just called and said she was kidnapped and brought to a comedy show. We we don't know what to do here. <laughs> She's being held for ransom at <laughs> Yeah, the poor shop. guy. I don't know where he's at right now, but if he was a kidnapper, he was maybe the worst kidnapper of all time. Bringing a rocket shop. Bringing a rocket shop. She, yeah. Hey, you got to sell tickets. You got to sell tickets somehow, man. <laughs> I'll take everybody. So I'll they, take anybody who, if you're going to kidnap somebody, please bring them to one of my shows. There's Yeah, so there's another Rocket Shop one. I, countless people have gotten naked on stage. There, there was one night I flew home, and this always happens when I fly home. I started seeing pictures. I think it was Richard Estrada hosting, and there were like a dozen people in their underwear on stage because that's just what they tend to do when they're left alone for too long. Yeah. I think there's just so much that's happened inside the walls of rocket shop. Oh, craziness. And there's things that happen obviously on stage and then there's things that happen off stage. And yep. it's, it's just a place where hopefully we can continue to, to stay there for quite some time. For a short time, we did an open mic twice at iron horse. Well, a lot of things happened. Oh yeah, so I have. A, the, I think my favorite, my favorite. Uh, it's probably mine too. Is it American Pie? Fuck yeah! It yeah. Is. All right. That's so what I'll want, play this thing. You out want, go ahead and tell it. Yeah. You go ahead. This is your baby. Um. Because I got another one that's one of my favorites. So I don't know how it started, but uh, I, it might have started at Iron Horse. This was also between three and four years ago by the way yeah. this was long before fucking what's the guy's name uh w kamal bell did it on his netflix comedy special yeah that's frustrating so anyway um so the at one point the rocket shop mic and the iron horse mic 
were on the same night. That's right. We would do Rocket Shop until about 8.30, and then we'd skate over to Iron Horse. It would start at about 9. And we would lose about 80% of the comedians in that transition. And 100% of the crowd. Everybody. We would lo- we would literally walk into Rocket Shop. It where- was only for the craziest of the crazy people would go to Iron Horse afterward. And it was rough. It was a rough place to hang out in. Awful. And they would have us do comedy just on the floor. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a stage. No. And and the stage was about 70 feet away from the patrons, and they would not turn off the television, so people would be watching a football game or a baseball game in the middle of us, and they were angry that they also had to listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, as far as I can recall, was we, we had showed up. I was on the list first. I think I'd gotten to Iron Horse first. And about halfway through my set, I was just like, okay, none of this is working (laughs) because A, nobody's here. And the people who are here don't give a shit. They want to watch the World Series. They want to watch NCAA basketball or whatever it is that the hell that they were doing. And so I just start going into a rendition of American Pie Mm -hmm. by uh, Don McClain. Mm -hmm. And then you join me for the rest of it. Because they had another microphone. Yeah, because they had two microphones. And then from there on out, anytime we would show up to a really shitty mic, we would just do American Pie by Don McLean. <laughs> we would show up, and, the, and when the mic reached a certain level of shittiness, one of us would look at the other one, and it would be a look like, oh, we're doing American oh, Pie. Oh, it's American tonight. Pie time. <laughs> we're doing American Pie. And most of the time, we got the entire bar to sing American Pie with us. It's a uniting song. Yeah, it's one of those songs that when you put it on, everybody wants to sing it. Everybody knows it. So it's just an... And it's still like a, it's still something that I, I think fondly about. Even, it was just a good time. <laughs> Even better than that were the times that we sang it and no one really did it all. <laughs> <laughs> and we looked like two canned assholes. But it was okay because it became just there an were, us thing. It was just like, you know what? We got it. We understand why we're doing this. We understand what this means. And it, let's do some American Pie, baby. If you're alone, there's no way you get to... And I knew I had my chance if I had my chance alone. But if there's two of you, you'll plow through the whole yeah, shit. Yeah, you'll, you'll do the whole thing. You'll get to yeah, Book of Love and go beyond it. And it is a long song, Long baby. fucking song. Really long yeah. song. That was a blast. Um, my fa- One of my favorite incidents is when Tad uh, almost got into a fight with Eric Warnock, the 99-cent comedian oh, at Iron Horse. That. Were you there for that? Yeah, I was there for that. One of the good things about Iron Horse is there was no rules because there were like there were like six of us, <laughs> as opposed to everywhere else where there's tons of rules. <laughs> well, like if I if I were new, I wouldn't love my mic because there's a lot of keeping. I'm trying for, to make it good, <laughs> and if you're brand new, somebody running it to make it good doesn't exactly mean yeah. the most fun. Iron Horse wasn't like, we weren't caught up in the whole making it good thing. No, we weren't worried about it being good. We were just worried about having a good time. That's, that's, we were just having a good time. And so there were no, like time restrictions at at Rocket Shop is you do a five-minute set, and it's important to do your time and not go too far over. Iron Horse, you just talked until you were done. You were Someone gave you a light, but it was just a suggestion. And it was literally time. Like, it was... Yeah. Nothing felt like jokes. Nothing. Fe- it was just like talking into the no. wind. It was like we were like trolling the people who were at the bar. Like we were doing it in spite of them. And so Tad was on stage and he was running a couple things and he kind of does stream of consciousness anyway. So a room like that is perfect for the king of rock and roll. He can make that work all night long. So he's doing his thing and it's going one of the few times it's going really well. Well, Warnock, uh, you just have to know him. There, it would take a whole episode to explain. We can him. do three episodes on we Eric could, Warnock. We could do years worth of episodes on Eric Warnock and all the people who've got Eric Warnock stories. But one of the things about him is when he shows up to a microphone or, or an open mic, he wants to go up first, very first. And if he can't get up in like the two or three spot, he's going to leave. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to stick around. He's he go wants home. to get there at the beginning. I think because he's got some, uh, I think it's because he has a, a very, like a self-aggrandizing view of clean comedy that he thinks that dirty comedy ruins his art, and so he wants to get up early before all the other people do it. Before we dirty it up. Y- right. <clears throat> so it, he's got that idea. So Tad beat him to be first, and so he's like second. Uh, and Tad's on maybe his, you know, third hour. <laughs> so, no, he's, he's on maybe minute. 
not long, like minute nine. Yeah, minute we used to 12. do. That. I remember. I, I was twelve was like the magic number. Yeah, so it, he, like people normally did like twelve minutes. He's around twelve, and Warnock kind of does these silent protests where he acts out. I, like I heard on a Louis C.K. special, I think he called it like a silent film of showing you that he's upset. He'll do these things like to passive aggressively let the whole room know that something is bothering him, and then he considers it an, an injustice if it's not catered to. So he did that a couple times, and then he, like, he'd walk outside, like he'd storm outside, and then like walk back in and look at Tad for a long time, and then sigh and walk back out. And then, it went, now Tad is about, is about 130 pounds. Soaking wet. With my couch on his back. Yeah. He's, at this time, at least, he was a slight man. Warnock less so yeah he's, but he's also like 900 years old and he, he's it, the body hasn't you know he's not he's not gonna do an iron man marathon anytime soon it, his body's he's on the back back end of the body you know <laughs> he doesn't have many more fighting days left in him and so tad the king of rock and roll is on stage and he's been rolling for 12 minutes now so he's got some <laughs> he's got some momentum going and warnock walks in and he looks at Tad, and he does this thing when he's upset, and he yells. He yells really loud and boisterous. He sees Tad still on stage, and from the back of the room, it's the set's actually working. Like, it's this has never happened before. And Warnock goes, is this thing going to end? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like Warnock, And too. something in Tad just snapped. And he goes, you know, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you, Warnock. You want to go? I'll fucking kill you in this place. That's what I remember is you want to go. I remember well, that specifically. You want to go? I haven't heard someone say you want to go since like 1994, which is what made it, which is what made it better. Like when you, when you say so, it makes it even better. I was just telling a story about when I was a young man when you don't have an outlet for your anger and you do stupid shit. You're like, you know how guys punch walls and whatever. I was dating this girl when I was like 16 or 17 and we got into a fight while we were at the park at a basketball court and I was super angry but I had already kicked my basketball in one direction like just misplaced dude anger. Yeah. I'd already kicked my basketball in one direction so there was nothing else to do and there was a chain linked fence that like on the edge of the part like there was a basketball court and there was a chain linked fence and I had nothing I, there was nothing I could punch there was nothing I could throw so I just remember like grabbing the fence and shaking it really hard <laughs> <laughs> And I got down like in a squat, like a defense position, two hands grabbed. And I was like, like you're playing left just, guard. And I'm saying to her, like, you just won't stop. You just won't leave me. And, and you're going to hear like, the whole thing. <laughs> the jingling of the chain. And like she laughed at me immediately in the moment. Of course. Why wouldn't why she? Why wouldn't she? Yeah, why wouldn't but she? But even still once in a while that jogs in my brain and I'm part Do you cringe? <laughs> but it's so funny to think of that. So to think of saying Warnock saying or Tad saying "fuck you, Warn," you want to go, you want to go, motherfucker. <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever heard. And he yelled at him for another five minutes on stage, and Eric didn't do anything. He piped right down and didn't want any parts of it. And then four days later, Warnock took Tad out to play pool together. They went to a pool oh, hall. Oh, yeah, I don't know. What, I think. I think it. They, I think they went and had they, a. They a, buried the hatch. They buried the hatch. They didn't go. They buried the hatchet and sunk the nine ball. Yeah, he took them out to play pool afterwards. Yeah, the, this group is just. Oh, it's the best. The we would never be friends in any other. Like it's just. Yeah. Such a, a such a mixture of walk of life, walks so, of life in there. Name name another venue in town, and we'll Tembler. talk. About it. Ooh. What's your? I, I'm curious to know what your favorite Tembler moment has been. God. That's a good one. I don't know. Ooh, I know. One of my favorite ones, okay? And this girl, <clears throat> I think we're friends on Facebook and I follow her on Instagram. And she's she's amazing. Like she is I think I talked about her before on here. I think I may have talked I did talk about it cuz I got shit for it. <laughs> she's like a she's like a powerlifter bodybuilder and she's like She's she's I think she's taller than me. I think she's like six two or six three. And she's but she's she's very womanlike and like beautiful, but she's jacked. Like her she's um like an impressive sight. Impressive and scary when you see like her. Like Brienne of Tarth? No. I I've <laughs> I've like an avatar. I've never seen a woman like this before. And like a she looks she looks like a 
like a jacked Barbie doll. Like it's it's I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Like she should be a she should be in the WWE. I've I can't explain a woman because I've never seen a woman like her. How like she's impressive. In, in like I can't explain it. You just have to see her, and she's at the sh- and she's very noticeable when you see her. Because like I said, she's tall, big, but still like ladylike and and kind of demure even when she's out at shows. And she comes out to a lot of the comedy things. And so, this was the Eric Griffin show, and I was hosting, and I weaseled Boyd Stenn and Michael Scott onto the show, and they were happy to be on the show. But they were kind of bummed out because Eric Griffin is kind of known for being pretty bristly to new comics. I later found out. And he was very, like, they tried to talk to him before the show and he kind of brushed them off. Yeah, and he was kind of very cold to him. Yeah. And, he, and so, it, especially for Mike, because it was Mike's first big show like that. And I, I wanted it to be, I wish it was like a more kind like, of yeah, ingratiating. Like it was a better, it was a better, you wish it was a better story for him. <clears throat> but anyway, the room was full, like it was packed in the side rooms. It was packed to the rafters. And there was, normally there aren't hecklers, but for a late show, you can always count on one or two. Well, this just happened to be the first time anyone ever had to be thrown out of a show. There was this guy that just would not stop heckling. He just kept yelling stuff out, and finally staff asked him to leave. So he got up, everybody clapped and cheered, and he left, and he walked out like there was no problem. His sister was sitting behind him. After he got kicked out, she started yelling and complaining to the stage of course and wouldn't stop so the staff came and asked her to leave and she decided she was not going to because the i mean the guy knows if he decides not to leave oh we'll make you leave but this lady no one's going to make her leave because what are you going to do you're going to you know you you just you it's a delicate spot yeah you can so she's going to she's going to get a little bit more time to tell us all the fuck off so she goes to the bar tells me to fuck off tells me that I'm rotten she goes back to the sk- stage yells at the stage she's in the back of the room yelling at the manager or owners and they're trying everything they can to be cordial and then finally staff gets her and they, they're removing her and for whatever reason she finally decides to comply. And as she's walking out, Eric Griffin did this bit at the beginning. I don't, I guess, I, well, I'm sure it won't ruin his special if all 300 of you fucking hear it. <laughs> so he did this bit where he says, he talks about when he says the word bitch, he doesn't mean he's calling a woman a bitch. He, when he says bitch, he means motherfucker. So he's like, when I say bitch... I mean motherfucker. And I know as a comedian, he's using that to call back to later. Yeah. Because he's going to say bitch, and he goes, and when I say bitch, I, I know that's yeah. coming. You, yeah, you could see You know the seeds are being do. sown yeah. for that. But I also know that in a, in a pinch, you could probably use that to help you out, just like your okay sign. Yeah. So he's laying groundwork for one of those. So this lady finally decides to leave. And he and Eric Griffin says something like, "Get that bitch out of this room!" And everyone goes, "Yeah, of course." And he goes, "Remember, when I say bitch, I don't mean bitch. I mean." And the room goes, "Motherfucker!" And with perfect timing, once the entire motherfucker subsided and there was a half second of silence, so he said, "When I say bitch, I mean." And they go, "Motherfucker!" And he goes, "Cunt!" And the room goes, <laughs> "Bah!" And it exploded, right? So they finally get her out of the room and the show goes on. All of a sudden, I'm in the back bar. The owner's talking to her. She finally leaves and walks out the front door. As the show continues, I see this woman walk back into Tembler's main room, slink back to the side door, come into the side door where the comedy show is going on, and hug the wall to get back to her seat. To get back to her seat. And I'm like, just let it happen. If she's not going to yell, don't yell. And if I approach her, it's going to make more of a scene. Yeah, it'll make a way bigger scene than if you just let her sit down and So just let it go. But now that girl that I was telling you about, the one that I'm friends with on Facebook, the Avatar girl, she has decided to stretch out a little bit because the lady was sitting next to her. Oh, okay. (laughs) So this drunk lady gets to uh, the avatar, my Facebook friend, and she goes, she's like, get the fuck out of my seat to this girl. 
Oh, no. And this girl stands up, and the whole room is like is now. She stands. She's got a presence. She stands up, and she says to the girl, hey, you don't want this problem. And she said in a, like, when she said it, I didn't want this problem, like let alone this little tiny drunk lady. And thank God, before she made too much of an issue, staff scurried and got to her and, and hauled her out again. But it, I almost watched a massacre happen in that show. Oh, but that would have been that would have made for a way like. Well, thank God it didn't. Ha- it, it's way better to tell the story that it and that because I, I don't that story can't end and then Ashley killed that woman. Yeah, <laughs> like, <I mean. laughs> it's like. So thank God it didn't happen, and I saw I, I saw the Avatar girl at at a show afterwards, and uh, she she's like, "Ah, oh, that was a great show." At a different show, I said, "I I I hope you don't mind me bringing it up, but you gave me one of my favorite moments at Tumblr, and I brought up the story." And she's and I was like, "I remember you," and she goes, "I know." Like she in a, she's like, "I know." I got big arms and shoulders. I said, "No, no, 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 not f- for that." I remember you because I remember you almost had to kill somebody who was the only person we ever threw out of a comedy show. And I, I told her the story. We had a good laugh about it. And so she, she's wise to what happened, but there was only that maybe a handful of us saw that part of it. And that's my, I always talk about when I'm hosting my show is watching the audience and see what happens. Yeah. I watched two people almost have sex at one of my, uh, Assembler comedy showcases in the back of the room. Sorry and about that. They, <laughs> and by two people, I mean just Joe. <laughs> just Joe. <laughs> but no, at Landon pointed it out to me that they, these two didn't know each other, and they were just sitting close to each other. And they were, you know those late shows. It was the second show of Ian, Ian Edwards, and these two people were hammered because it was 10.30 at night at Tembler, so they were drinking for three hours. They were drinking 11-point beer. And one looked at the other and said, hey, you want to... Whatever he said. And she's like, yeah. And so they shuffled close to each other and all of a sudden they're making out like they're prom king and queen again and just dogging how, how out how old were they could you tell by looking at them uh 50s Jeez, i know that's not what i would have guessed i, I were, could see a bunch of you know a few 20 year olds doing that i know they were so old i almost didn't join in <laughs> <laughs> i still did but i i thought about it yeah so there, there's one of one of my favorite. I think my favorite Templar, my t- favorite Templar time has got to be the, uh, the I, I'm not mad. I'm just a parent show. Oh, the Rick Gutierrez. Yeah, just because everybody in the room knew what was going on except for him. Yeah, like of all the people I've ever worked with that I've ever done comedy with, he's by far the biggest asshole <laughs> I've ever I've ever come uh, across because. He was an asshole to me. Yeah. He was an asshole to you. He was an asshole to his opener. Yeah. And the whole time he's laying down all these ground rules of what he allows on his show, what he doesn't allow on his show, what we could and could not do, what we could and could not say. And he was like, you know what? Like, get, get the fuck out of my face. Ex- yeah. Like, come on, man. But just the simple fact that everybody except him right. knew that he was an asshole and a jerk and nobody took him seriously... Like, I I like that. I love like the camaraderie that we all had because he was being a jerk. That everyone knew. Yeah, and it was like, of all the people I've worked with, man, like, of all the people I've worked with that could be like that. Yeah. For him to be like that, him, him, Mister, yeah. like I need a tweet to be to have people show up to my show, right. and the simple fact that he did a good job, right? Yeah. All all things aside, his comedy that night. It's, you know, he did great. It's, it, yeah, he made people him. laugh. The room loved him. But the simple fact that he got off stage and still continued to be an asshole to everybody oh, yeah. and was still like, that's not what I wanted to do up there. That show was terrible. It was, and he was like asking us to merch for him. And it's like, you know, nobody's going to merch for you, man. Right. Like, I'm not, I'm here to do the show. I'm not here to sell t shirts oh, for there, you. There are so many, that now that I think of it, there are so many good celebrity ones there. Of course, there's like the heartfelt ones of like, I don't know. Celebrities kind of pushing it <laughs> with Rick Gutierrez. Well, no, no, not that one. I mean, like, uh, like, at some of the more like sappy ones like the Al Madrigal show when I got that like he was preparing for a special and 
uh, I was sitting at a table with he and Johnny Sanchez and he was asking both of us like for punch up on parts of his jokes like that stuff and talking to Swartz and about my act and like he gave me oh that stuff's got to be awesome it's man. it's really cool but that's that's kind of sappy shit that I'm trying to navigate away from one of my favorite ones from the celebrity standpoint that was uh, Carlos Mencia came to perform at Temple oh yeah yeah I remember this one comedy pariah known joke thief known all that so i was really proud of the guys in town nobody took the gig nobody would do it it's kind of a solidarity thing they had to get a magician to open for him i think i remember then that magician ended up coming to an open mic like a year later and he did a great job yeah and he did a good job he but did. it was like oh yeah i was here i opened for mencia and i was like and i was like yeah you yeah, did you did <laughs> you did yeah you did because no one else did it i was really happy about that but this was the first time he came uh, Dan and I, either it was either it was Dan and I, were flyering for a, a Tembler show that we were gonna do. So we showed up when when Mencia's crowd was leaving between the first and second show, and to hand out flyers. just to hand out flyers outside. Uh, a move I probably wouldn't do today, but it, it, we were there, and it was a it was kind of like a like poach. We're gonna poach your crowd because yeah, you poach gonna, other comics yeah, exactly. material. <clears throat> so we showed up. But in all honesty, that that should be a move you do. Like I know, it's just you're not, in not me. hurting Mencia. Yeah, it's not in me, but I but I agree, especially if it's a show at the same venue. Yeah, like if if Mencia was at the Fox or if Mencia was at uh, was at Rocket Shop and I showed up to hand up flyers to Tembler, Dan would be cool with it, but I would feel weird. Yeah, that that's a different thing. Like when it's our you're, venue you're, to venue, you're literally going to one bar to hand out flyers to another to bar, another bar, which is shitty. But this is the same place. And we showed up, and it's halfway through between the first show and the second show. And the feature says to me, hey, do you want to open for Carlos on the next show? Do 10 or 15 minutes. I said, no, nah, man, I'm good. And he goes, come on, man. Look at this, 350 people. You don't want to do comedy for 350 people? I said, man, it's sometime, it's, there's, there's more to it for me. You just can't do it. You do you, man. I appreciate. I, I really. I appreciate the gesture. Uh, tell Carlos said that. That's another part. It's very complicated. But tell Carlos. I said thanks anyway. But I can't be a part of it. He asked Dan, and Dan went. I can't. Can't. Sorry. But hey, if you hadn't said no. But, well, I don't know. But the best part was they. What Mencia does after his shows is he takes pictures with people and then he prints them all off and he sends them to people. And so to they had to lock in the site for the camera. So he's like, hey, we got to lock in the site to do it. I, can you stand in front so we can get one of these things with Car and Carlos? Is, I think Carlos is standing there. And they need somebody to stand like to measure the thing. So I was like, uh, I actually got to run, but Dan can do it. And like... <laughs> So I leveraged Dan, hoping that Dan and Carlos would be the first picture on the, the first, website, yeah. and I could take that and post it on Facebook, like, look at this hack. <laughs> <laughs> and did it? I don't know. Oh. I, never, I never I never looked, because I couldn't do that. It was more like when you and I sang American Pie, it was just for us. Yeah. I did it to Dan, is just for me and Dan. Yeah, yeah, just to do it. It's just It was a moment just for us. Just to to think about what that would be like. What that, yeah, what that could have been. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Tumblr's had some great shows, man. There's been a lot of great moments inside of Tumblr. Uh, yeah. It's one of those. It's one of the venues where, at least from my end, probably not from your end at all, that there's been more like a good continuity of comedy as opposed oh, yeah. to like these really weird yeah. one-off things that happen and, you know, people outside of people trying to fuck each other on the corner <laughs> it's been a good venue yeah um jazz lounge speaking of celebrity things we met paul mooney's son at an open mic he came and did 10 minutes about the kardashians and then, like paul mooney legend his son for whatever reason was in bakersfield and we got to chat with him about all the shows they used to do in that room my favorite part of jazz lounge was just the simple fact that ted hosted it that was great. That, that I think that was my favorite part. Just, that was great. Just to uh, watch what he would do. Just to watch what he would do. And of all the people for what Jazz Lounge was, was in, uh, an African-American-owned establishment. It was literally right? a jazz lounge. It was a jazz lounge. It was, they sold, you know, drinks and they, I don't know if they had a <laughs> piano out or something. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was a really strange setup. Like they didn't have chairs, they had couches. And when they thought of comedy, they thought of Paul Mooney. They thought of like and early 
Def Jam. Like I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what they were trying to picture with that's comedy. what it, more clean urban comedy. So definitely not early Def Jam. <laughs> and then and then Tad of all people. Yeah. Was the one running the mic. And we pulled no punches in there. We yeah. didn't we didn't clean it up and nice it up. And that place has turned into like three different things since then. Yep, and it's got three more coming, I'm sure. But I, <laughs> my favorite thing was for sure that just a simple fact that it was Jazz Lounge, just African American established place in Tad Whaley. The whitest dude I've probably ever met. Mhm is running his show in there. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. Then it became Green Room, uh, where People. during a sh- I believe, I believe while I was I was on stage, or certainly somebody, I think it was me, someone got knocked out on the patio. And the, the way it was is there was no stage, it was the floor, and you were in the corner of the room, and there was a glass window right next to you that the patio was right next to you. And so there's some like four feet away from my face, everyone who was in the crowd could see someone get knocked unconscious that yeah it sounds like something that would happen there and they had a bartender that would walk around and she was kind of a little loopy and she would wear there were i'd say every third time i was in there she'd have like this disco loose tank top on almost like a professional oh, I know you're talking about yeah. no bra on just just tits hanging out and just like skinny like 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 karen carpenter skinny yeah, like, like very uh pale like boogie nights yeah, type like really nice girl but like not all the way present at yeah. least in the moment and she had this she uh real she's nefarious got some shit going on she had some shit going on <laughs> as you like to say real nefarious boyfriend would show up with like neck and face tattoos and he'd be all like kind of suspicious in the corner and it it was just such an odd it's it, uh, such an odd thing. Another one of my favorite things about that place. Another, Cuban bartender uh, who would get mad at me like we broke up, but we didn't know each other. I still don't know I what remember that was that about. I too. Yeah. Um, not that version of the Jazz Langels when it was a green room. Something happens to promoters locally. I'm sure everywhere. Yeah. That anytime a show goes south, it's never anybody's fault except for like something that happened like on the outside that was uncontrollable <laughs> and i remember being booked on a show there and we had a there was a comic coming from fresno maybe even two or three comics coming from fresno oh i know this story because i think this was the night of my tony hinchcliffe yeah show. yeah it was it was um so i'm booked on this show at, at the time i think it was the green room and i show up it's a saturday show or maybe even a friday show and it's 6.37, we're waiting for people to show up. It's 8 o'clock, we're waiting for people to show up. It's 8.30, we're waiting for people to show up. It's 9 o'clock, we're waiting for people to show up. Nobody shows up. Not Literally not one person. Literally, we didn't have a single audience member that came out. And, and the promoter's outside, and he goes... And it was first Friday, so people were walking back and forth all night. Yeah, there, there was people out, just nobody was coming to this they show. They were doing everything else. Yeah, and the promoter just sits on the chair, and he looks at me, and he's like... Fucking warriors are playing tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, y- you know this town and the warriors, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's why nobody's at this comedy show is the fact that the warriors are playing in the finals right now. Right, but just a simple like, just little things like that. I think are hilarious. So I don't know if it's a favorite moment, but it's definitely something that I remember sitting outside of the green room, what was the jazz lounge, and being like, gosh, this is comedy. The inside baseball of softening the blows in comedy. Yeah, that, nobody's here because the Warriors are playing in the I finals. remember that night, and it was one of those I almost had a kick-myself moment. Not that it turned into anything, but I remember being at Barnes & Noble, and I was writing. What I was planning to do was I was going to write for a little while, and what I would do is if I wasn't on a show that was going on in town on a Friday night, especially at the Green Room First Fridays, I'd go to Barnes & Noble and write for a couple hours, and then I'd pack up the book bag, throw it in the trunk, and drive down to First Fridays and just check out the show. And I drove. I was I was just about to leave Barnes and Noble, and I got a text from Dave at Tembler, and he said, "Hey, uh, where are you?" And I said, uh, "Um, at Barnes and Noble." And he said, "Well, are you opening for Hinchcliffe?" And I said, "I w- I didn't think I was Nobody on the show. Nobody told me I wasn't planning to." And he's like, "Well, we could." we could use you down here and for whatever reason i was in the mood to be like you know what no one told me i was going to be on this show i th- i think that i was in like, there's something going on and i was like you know what i'm not going to go down i'm just going to 
I would just want to go watch my friends. Uh, yeah, the guy from Fresno is a buddy of mine. I want to go see him. I just did a show up in Fresno. He came out to see me. I want to pay the favor back and go check his stuff out. I don't want to do it. But then I was like, you know what? I should do the show <laughs> if I want to be a comic. I I'm not going to be on the show. I'm not going to become a comedian by watching it, your the friends group, do comedy when I could be doing it. Yeah. I should go do. The, I should be a little bit more gracious to go have to do the Tony Hinchcliffe show. So I went and I did it, and and I think I either hosted it or opened it, and it ended early. So I was like, oh good, I'll be able to go down and catch the end of the green room show. And I showed up, and it had just gotten dark a little while ago, and I remember. Uh, you guys were all sitting on the patio. I think it was you, Trevor Dustin, Boydston, his girlfriend at the time, uh, and and her, her best friend and one or two other people. And I walk up. I was like, oh, man. I was like, I the show's over already? I missed it? And one of you said, it, it ne never started. <laughs> I said, what? It never started. I said, what? I said, where's the Fresno comic? And you said, he left already. He already came, he came down. Uh, they told him that nobody showed up, so I think they bought him a meal at the Mexican restaurant next door and told him they'd book him for a future show. I think they gave him $40 and sent him on his way. Oh, God. But imagine, you know what that's like I've waiting done. for a show like that? So it's like you're you're waiting all day for the show. You're waiting all week for the show. You're headlining this gig. Even if it's at a place you've never been to, you're still excited for it. Right. And then you show up and literally nobody shows oh, up. Not a single... Man. soul showed up to see you that adrenaline dump hurts oh that's a long hurts. drive home buddy that is a long drive home aye, aye, aye. what other what other venues do we have in town texas 28 <clears throat> i used to run shows at texas 28 what that, that thing has also been like four to five different things oh yeah when, um, it, was, when it was texas 28 i remember i remember phil was two things Phil was dating, I believe, a legally blind girl and brought her and her dog into the open mic. And something happened with the dog during the... I forget if it like took a seizure. like Something happened to the dog during the mic. And Phil has periodically had these windows of clarity. He's, a, he's an amazing guy. Like he, and he's such a, like he's such a character. You, like I get so happy when I see him in general population there was a time about a year ago I saw him and we hadn't seen each other in about a year and I just saw him out with his family and on the way home I was telling Lexi Phil stories and like I had such a good time because we were we were together out here same thing with you from the beginning yeah from day one at Martini's he literally he seriously almost got killed the first night of Martini's for singing move down south and he's he's just Control Ooh, that's a that's a that's ballsy. He's controlled chaos just the the whole entire way. So he's got this girl, and he, he but he he was in this window of clarity. He was dating this girl, and he told me he just got his insurance certificate that he's selling insurance. And me just trying to be helpful, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I'll switch my rentals insurance, or and just get it with you because I'm just paying progressive thirteen yeah. bucks a month or whatever it is. Maybe I'll switch and go with you. And then the next week, I saw him. And he goes, hey, I just got a job. And I said, what do you mean? I thought you had a job. What what happened? He goes, oh, the guy. there's a guy at the restaurant two doors down. Uh, he said he needed somebody who washed dishes. And, <laughs> and now I got I said, Phil, what, what, what if I would have got my Your insurance? Yeah. What, what if I had to change my insurance? I almost bought insurance from you, and you're washing dishes now a week later. <laughs> I was outside the venue when he got that job. Oh, were you really? Yeah. So it was. Uh, we were sitting outside the venue. We were doing a show inside the venue next door to the place that he ended up working at. And the owner walks out, and Phil's just out there. And I don't know if Phil looked looked like he didn't have a job or exactly what was going on in his life at the time. Uh, but the guy came out and he's like, "Hey, you guys know any dishwashers?" And Phil's I, like, "I'll do it. I do now." And he's like seriously and he's like yeah he's like i'll do it and he's like can you start tomorrow and he's like yeah what time 10 o'clock all right i'll be here there's and no way he was there yeah it lasted like maybe the hour like yeah, i don't I know it. if he made it till 11 o'clock again we belong on a stage yeah we don't belong in a restaurant washing dishes or yeah. doing anything else mm -hmm. 
Jeez. doing and we don't belong selling insurance we don't belong in an office well we've gotten to about a quarter of the bakersfield venues that we've done so far oh you remember the nile the nile th- when we when here's my favorite nile Ooh, incident the nile. here's my favorite nile incident forget about forget about the charity where i told the where i told the joke about the what the charity was about forget all that do you remember when we did a comedy show where they had a sword swallower on the show i don't think i was there or yes, have heard were. about this was i on yes, that yes you were they yeah, have I've a, just normalized all we this. have a famous like america's got talent famous sword swallowing guy from bakersfield and i'd say like every two years he comes oh, around yeah and does the a giant show. is it the giant he's a he literally has gigantism right yeah. like he's yes. yeah yeah he's a giant yeah he's an actual giant he's an actual giant yeah, yeah. do you know his name uh isn't he I should try to Google George? Giant Sword Swallower. I should be careful about that. I think that. his name is George the the Giant. George the Giant Sword Swallower. Uh, so we had to, on a night, we had to follow this. Forget about following a, a guy with a guitar. We had to follow a guy. I think he lit the sword on fire at one point. Like he did all kinds of shit. Do you remember this guy? I remember him. I don't remember this night though. But oh. I remember, but he... Early when I started doing comedy, he was around quite a bit. I don't think I ever actually watched the guy. Like I think, because I knew he wasn't a comedian in the same way that you and I are a comedian. Uh, he was actually in the movie Big Fish. Yeah, he was like a prominent character in the movie Big Fish. Yes, he. I hope he didn't die. No, he's still around. Uh, Todd Abrams. It's Todd Abrams, I think. I think. Let's see. We'll have to look that up later. That's my favorite Nile club. Do you have a favorite Nile one? My favorite Nile moment, and I'll tell you who, I won't say who this was. Uh, oh, no, you're on, right. On the pod. Is George the Giant? George, his name is sharing hosting duties with Abrams is George MacArthur, who goes by George the Giant and is seven foot three inches tall. I didn't know he was seven three. <clears throat> MacArthur is a jack of all sideshow trades with a number of tricks up his sleeve, including sword swallowing, igniting 100 firecrackers strapped to his chest, and drinking milk through a straw and passing it through his nose. He definitely did that. His talents landed him on season three of the reality show America's Got Talent. He also portrayed Colossus in the film Big Fish and has appeared on numerous television shows. We fucking followed him. Yep. And you don't even remember. I don't even remember. That's what comedy is. Yeah, like. that, it's, I don't remember that at all. We followed his ass. Of course I did. Yeah. I don't remember it, but, <laughs> but I know I did. Um, I think my favorite Nile show was there's a comic who was coming up from Los Angeles uh, who at the time had been on maybe two to three different Comedy Central things. And yeah. he was he was looking like he was going to be a bright, like a bright star, right? Like okay. he looked like he was going to be making it. He knew the right people. This is the dude from down south, down south, like south of L.A., south? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you who it is off the pod. I, I don't want to out him on, on this. Sure. Uh, not after I shit on Rick Gutierrez for like an hour. Yeah, um, but th- that's different. Yeah, but this is more of like a personal thing. And, Gu- and Gutierrez has come and gone. Yeah. He's, he's been what he's going to be. This kid, whoever you're talking about, could could have a thing. Yeah, he and he's back. He he left comedy for a little bit, this person. but uh, So I'm at the Nile show. This guy's headlining the show. He's been on two to three different Comedy Central things. Okay. Uh, and he's a funny he's a funny kid. Like I, I don't, uh, not my brand of comedy, but he's definitely funny. Like I, I, he can make me laugh. He can make an audience laugh. And at the time he could sell a ticket. Um, but the thing was, is I say kid because he was young. He was probably 21 years old, um, and really believed in himself. Like okay. really was buying into all the hype, buying all, he was buying his bullshit. Yeah. He was buying into all, all the comedy central stuff. Um, and was just kind of a little bit of an asshole, okay. like kind of like ah okay this guy uh I don't know like he, I met him a couple of times and this time he was definitely an asshole okay. and he'd always done well though and he always blew the the roof off of whatever place we were at he always did a good job yeah and this one time he had like three to four girls with him that he was bringing. And so I'm in the green room, and that's one thing about the now they do have that little side area for for the performers, and I'm in there and I'm like hanging out. He doesn't even remember that we had ever met, yeah. And we had been on like three to four shows together, long shows, and sure. I want to say we even traveled once together. And he didn't even remember who I was. Of course, um, I go up there and I keep 
I had asked the person who booked the show, like, hey, man, I've seen I've seen Comic X back there. He's not looking good. Do you need, like, do you want to ask him if he's going to go up? Do I need to close this thing out? And the guy who, of course, is promoting the show, he's like, ah, you just want to close the show. <laughs> like, no, man, I don't want to close the show. I'm just asking because you haven't gone back there and seen the kid. I go back there, and this dude is snorting like four to five lines of blow. Oh, shit. He's drinking heavily. He's asking everybody where he can get uh, ecstasy at. And he's just like, he's just completely out of it. So I, I don't want to say it's one of my favorite times, but it was definitely something I remember about the Nile. Oh he was doing God. blow off of the Nile, had these like leather chairs in the back in the green room. And you can see just the what was left over of all the blow he had just done with these three to four girls that he had brought with him. And I go up, I'm featuring for the kid. I go up, I do 15, 20 minutes and it was fine. It was a good time. Yeah. And he is nowhere to be found. Wow. Like they can't find the guy and the host goes up there and he's just like stalling the whole time. And he asked me like, Hey man, can you go? Because they have a back uh, entrance for, for performers at the Nile. Yeah. And I go back there, and the kid is just wasted off his ass on the cement. Oh. And I pick him up, and I'm like, hey, man, you going on? He's like, yeah, I'm going on. And he goes up and just eats shit for like an hour. I thought you were going to – I was no, hoping you were no, going to say he, annihilate. He killed it? No. Yeah. But it was just like – I. it's definitely not a favorite story, but just like – that encapsulates oh, every everything what the now was. It was shows that were really poorly put together, uh, <laughs> but were fun. Like it was still fun for me. Early day stuff. Yeah, it's early. Like Again, nobody knew what they were doing. None of us knew what we were. Yeah, doing. we knew that there was this kid who had been on Comedy Central a couple of times. Let's throw him up. We didn't think of it. We didn't think to put the. We didn't think to put the chairs closer for like a year. Nothing. We didn't Nothing. think of, and it was just. Matt, that's what I say to the young guys in town a lot is that I had the benefit of coming up when no one knew we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. We just got to try it you out. You just got to do it. I was hoping you were going to say he ripped the no, room No, and it was kind of, I mean, that's more probably more of a negative. Yeah. Uh, but for me, that that moment just encapsulates everything that the now was. And I, I actually think back on the now pretty fondly because it was just so crazy Yeah, uh, and just so out of like nothing was ever put together well out there and it just wasn't a good place for, for comedy period. But just a simple fact that this kid did five, six lines of blow with and, four and said girls. He's like 21 at this point. He's like 21. So he had the, four girls with him. He had so four he was killing girls. The game. Oh yeah. He, they, if I had four girls with me at all times, I'd probably be doing four to five lines <laughs> I, of blow. Too. I'll tell you what, I would, I would definitely be bombing. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but that, that place was, uh, it was fun, man. Oh, that's that's. But now was a good time. Beautiful. That's like I said. That's a quarter of the venues in town, and not to mention everything that we've done out of town. Uh, God, just there's more one-off venues and like ven like if we if yeah. if I've done more than three sets at a place, yeah, like that's actually a decent amount. Because if you can, most places were like, if you can think of anything in rapid fire, just one sentence, let it fly, like uh. Boydston throwing up in the back of my car on the way back from San Luis Obispo when I told him he was going to throw up if he didn't stop doing shots at Zaleski. I think you were with us that night. It was me, I, I think, think me, you, Boydston, Zaleski. The Andrew Boydston, the two things, it happened on the same trip. Uh, Andrew Boydston stating, if you guys ever want to talk to me about my problems, just same call night. me. <laughs> I think same it was night. the same, same night. And then for some reason, this throwaway line that you just kind of threw where Andrew Boydson had stated, Deadpool is my Oprah. And you said, Oprah is my Deadpool. Yeah. And it was just like this stupid throwaway line on, on the road. Right. But I just found it so hilarious. Like, I remember like still thinking back on that and laughing. We still say that now. But in, in terms of moments, <laughs> just like crazy... I, uh, teasers in Fresno. We did a. We literally were part of it. Kate we, Lee falling asleep six, in the back. Six hour show. A six hour show. Somebody falling asleep in the back. Uh huh. We got paid an iced tea gift cards. It was like like fifteen dollars. Yeah, no, never any real money. We never get real. Currency. I still got two iced tea gift cards. I remember the guy. I, you remember how we got announced? Me was the guy. Uh, 
last month, the guy set the record for F-bombs. Hopefully this one doesn't do it. Oh. Give it up for Chris Flail. Give it up and, for Chris Flail. And I'll never forget, we left as soon as the headliner got on stage. It was like six hours into the show. And I remember the, the booker came up to us beforehand and said, guys, this we finally set the record for the longest show ever. It's past midnight, and the headliner's, headliner's not even up yet. Oh, man. <laughs> like so excited. And then he goes up on stage. He goes, guys. We got a treat for you. I've been. This has been one of my favorite comedians for a long time because he. I'll tell you what about this guy. People say this guy's funny and that guy's funny, but I'll tell you what. He has the most energy I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I the guy's girlfriend's a lot of the, energy. The guy's girlfriend's like asleep at the table. Like he's just, it's just dead. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. There's been. I, I'll have to think of more, but there's definitely been just all these one-off nights at these really weird venues oh for for another time yeah for another time for sure hopefully this one was a a more positive this one's got to be yeah this one's got to be two hours and we'll we'll dig into some more out of town just mayhem stories and we got to do some more out of town stuff we got to do something more this is the greatest and best song in the world Tribute. Long time ago, me and my brother Kyle here. We was hitchhiking down a long and lonesome road. All of a sudden, there shined a shiny demon in the middle of the road. And he said, Play the best song in the world or I'll eat your soul well me and Kyle we looked at each other and we each said okay and we played the first thing that came to our heads just so happened to be the best song in the world it was the best song in the world look into my eyes and Uh-huh. 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 U